Somebody say amen. amen. Trying to figure out if I was in a Baptist church this morning. That's all right with me. Why don't we pray? Eternal God, our Father. I always want to take a moment and give you the praise and the thanks that you deserve for allowing each of us in this sanctuary to experience the breath of life in our bodies. We too acknowledge that if it had not been for you on all of our sides, there'd be no way we would be here on today. And so God, my desire and my prayer for those of us that are gathered is that the connection that I have sought through my soul with your spirit would be that all of us here would connect somewhere out there in the most beautiful gap where your power is, where your strength is, where the ability to be able to transform lives resides. I know, God, that if we ask it in the name of Jesus, it will be done so that you might receive the glory. So on this day, allow me to move out of the way. Use me. Show me how to take what it is that I want to say. Use it for a purpose that's other than for me, but for these thy children and for your glory. Amen. 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 So, um, just a little bit of a, a further introduction. I'm always amazed at hearing uh, my biography read, and I thank you, my beloved brother, for doing that. Sometimes I don't even recognize who I am, in fact, and so it's a little bit of a refresher to be reminded of who I am, but. Let me, um, let me say this too, is that I know that on this morning, the introduction that was extended to me, that I wasn't in fact your first uh, desired speaker, and that's all right. Uh, sometimes plan B ends up being a good way to go. I don't know about you, but in my life, many a door has been closed, and what was opened on the other side was all for my good. And so while I give thanks for the opportunity to be here, I want you to know that it is indeed an honor for me to be joined uh, by my beloved wife who has come out and uh, know this, that I am a better preacher when she's here. <laughs> my, uh, yeah, absolutely. And also uh, joining me is one of my young brothers, one of my co-workers, Brother Tim, who uh, did not count it robbery to wake up early this morning and come out on a day where he's got his son and his little brother traveling with him. So I bless God for you, Tim, for coming out. And um, I certainly do give um, honor to God, uh, who is uh, the Lord and Savior of my life. And uh, I also want to thank my dear beloved brother, uh, Nate, as he's affectionately referred to, for his spirit. Uh, because this whole thing is about relationship and about a connectedness. And just in the brief amount of time we were able to share in this morning, I can see that he has a love for God's people and certainly um, a love for this community as he has extended himself beyond these walls to make sure that I was aware of some work that these church walls are available uh, to and for right here in the community. And to the men, I want you to know that um, it is always a wonderful opportunity to be able to be with brothers and to be able to lift us up in our daily effort to try to be more like Christ, but certainly just to be able to be out here in this world and in this time. So it's a blessing 
to be here on today. And I always say this, brothers and sisters, I don't know if I'm going to be short. I don't know if I'm going to be long. I'm just going to be. And we're going to see how that ends up. But if I see y'all start looking at your watches and start looking at me funny, I will try to wrap it up a little bit sooner because I want to make sure that you are able to capture what it is that God would have with us. And so we are going to unpack uh, this theme on today in this particular scripture. And um, let me say this. This, this, this is, um, we're, we're living in a time right now where we find ourselves acknowledging and recognizing this as the year of the woman. And I, and I even want to go a little bit further than just a year. Um, and, and I dare say that this is a moment uh, for women. And I'm also going to argue and I contend that it's not only a year, it's not only a moment um, because years and, and moments are fleeting, but this is the movement of the women, of, of, of women, of the women. Because I believe that where we find ourselves in this present time in 2018, that God is lifting up and raising up women to, to, to lead our um, protests uh, down uh, in all of our local communities, but then certainly globally. I believe that as you look around, you can see that women are declaring themselves candidates for not only the schoolhouse, but also the White House. And so I, um, I, I, I applaud and acknowledge where we are. We, we stand in a hashtag Me Too movement time as well where many men who have stood in powers of position and authority are being called out of those positions or being called out by name so that women might be able to stand a little bit taller and live in a place of equality. So uh, while I applaud each of those efforts, there is an old little adage that says behind every woman is a good man. And I may have gotten that wrong a little bit, but we're going to mix it up because I don't care if it's whether behind every man is a good woman or whether behind every woman is a good man. The way that my God intended it as he lifted out a portion of a rib out of the man of Adam, as we know it, women and men stand by side by side. And I'm here to tell you today that I'm applauding and acknowledging a certain equality that we're fighting for. Is there anybody in here that's with me on that on today? That it's not so much about standing behind, it's about walking uh, together. And so men on this morning, what we're going to sort of address and look at is how men are stepping up um, uh, to their call. And, and it's fine to have a desire as a man uh, to want to step up to a call, but it's one thing to have a dream, uh, uh, to, 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 to have a, a calling in this life, but it's, it's another thing to have a plan. We can dream and we can desire, but you've got to have a plan and a way to go about uh, um, a, a call. And so this particular text has done a wonderful job of helping us to, to understand what the plans as defined by Paul are. And, and, and he starts out, brothers and sisters, because one thing that I'm going to do with you is before we can get to where our text drops us off over in the sixth chapter, we need to take just a little bit of a walk back so that we can understand how it is that we, we got there. And so this, 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 this book of 1 Timothy is actually, brothers and sisters, a beautiful letter 
that was crafted by um, who I declare and, and proclaim one of the greatest preachers and teachers of all time. Because if you preached and taught some 2,000 years ago and your word still stands tall today as we know a pause to be. I, I said something this morning and, and what I said this morning nobody cares about already. So 2,000 years later for your word still to be acknowledged and taught you are some kind of preacher and you are some kind of teacher. And so what's happening in the context because before I get into any content I like to give you the context. The context of this particular letter or book of 1 Timothy is that Paul is in the final winter season of his apostolic career. And what he does is he recognizes within the very churches that he has established throughout the region is that there are a number of false teachers that are beginning to rise. It's one thing to want to preach a message about God and to preach a message about Jesus and preach a message about love and preach a, me- preach a message about the gift of salvation. But it's one thing to want to do that, but then to have another contextual situation where there are men and women of the same cloth that are preaching a word that goes against yours, you need to pause for a moment and check that false teaching. And so that's where we are. He is trying to find his way back to this particular church where these false teachers are rising and the land name is called Ephesus, but he can't get there as readily as he would as he would like. And so what Paul has done, which is a good framework of reference, the first thing that we see is that brothers and sisters, he knows that he cannot do it by himself. And so he appoints a younger man by the name of Timothy to be able to carry on the message and to be able to to teach and preach and deal with these false teachers. He can't get there as quickly as he'd like to. So he pens a letter to Timothy. And the first thing that we need to recognize and understand, men, is we need to do just like what Paul has done here. We need to recognize whether we're in the first, second, third, or fourth quarter of our lives, that we need to look around and know that there are some younger men who could benefit from the experience, voice, and living of those of us that are seasoned men. Am I talking to anybody in here on today? Let, 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 let me unpack that for you just, just a little bit. I'm going to stay here for just a second. So, so, so I just dropped off my 18-year-old son, my wife and I, at what's known as the Mecca. That's Howard University in Washington, D.C. I see you back there. H-U, you know. That's what I've learned since I've been there. So, 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 so what, what, what I've come to do is this. And, 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 and when we dropped him and he, he, he disinvited us from going back up to his dorm room again because it was time for us to leave. And before all of us just broke down and cried. One, as, as I drove away, the one thing that I, I, I knew was this. It's, it's almost like when I was in seminary. I had prepared for the exam. And, and, and I sat down to take the exam. The proctor would say, time up. And I would put my pen down. I was never so much concerned about what the grade was or, or how the teacher might come at, back at me with, with red ink all over my paper. The same thing with any papers that I would craft. We, we submit them electronically now. You don't need those old binders anymore, Nate. They do things differently now. And, 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 and so whenever I would, I would research my paper and I would, I would debate my paper and I would dialogue my paper, whenever I would hit the send button, it would just go off. And I would not even be so concerned again about what the grade is because I had done everything that I needed to do to feel content with my submission. 
And that's how I felt coming back up 95 North. I had done over an 18 year period everything that I could do to prepare, to talk, to counsel, to sit down, to cry, to laugh, to make sure that he had every resource around him available from not only our house but an entire village that helped to raise him. And so when he took flight into the life that he would be gifted unto himself by God, I felt like everything that I had could do and, and did do was done. And so he was ready. And, 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 and so, brothers, we have the same calling on our own lives. We have got to open up the doors of our homes, the doors of our churches, the doors of our minds, the doors of our hearts to younger men so that they can understand that we have something of love for them. Because I'm trying to just help somebody know this as I was dropping off my son Cameron at Howard University. Let me pause here for just a second. Uh, 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 there was another young man who grew up in the West Oakland section of Philadelphia who was a, a, a dual athlete at Emotech. He ran track and field and he played football as well. Well, when I dropped my son off, I got back home. His mother had done the same thing for him that I had done and so many of us had done for our own children. He was supposed to be dropped off at Penn State University to begin a track scholarship. Well, just because everybody around your neighborhood and family is happy for what it is that you've done, everybody is not. And so two young men decided they were going to approach his home, try to rob his home, and not to get too intense this morning, but they put a bullet in his head. And so when this young mother was supposed to be dropping off, her son had done everything for him. She was planning a funeral arrangement for him. And the only thing I'm trying to pause men and understand that this focus needs to shift onto the two young men that looked to do something out of order to him. Listen to me. This neighborhood, Mount Airy, West Oak Lane, Germantown, these are boxes. And one thing that I cannot stand seeing is that young people are born into these boxes. They live in these boxes and then they get locked up in these boxes. Or guess what? The hearse comes to get them from out of the box. So I'm just trying to encourage some men in here today that you've been gifted with the experience of your life. You've been blessed with all of the good times and bad times of your life. And we have got to embrace some young men. Don't worry about the fact that they got their hat turned backward or their pants turned down or they might not be speaking the king's English. Somebody needs to know up in our community that they are loved by men. Am I talking to anybody? And then as we continue on in our text, the, 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 the thing that we begin to see is, is that Paul helps us to understand men just what a calling looks like. And he says at the beginning of, this, of our text here, he says that we are called, watch this, to love. Oh, I know that sounds so just like that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't connect with me. We're called to love. It sounds so cliche. It's like you can't connect to it. But he says what that love comes from, watch this, is a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. Marianne Williamson is one of my favorite authors. She, just, she, she wrote a book some years ago. It's called A Return to Love. And what she's trying to declare to us all, brothers and sisters, is that when we come into this world, we are just a little bundle of love filled with all of the good things of the Spirit of God. And it is an introduction to bigotry. It is an introduction to competition. It is an introduction to racism. It is an introduction to misogyny. It is an introduction to all the other isms that you can come up with that change us and make us fearful. 
And so what she's trying to remind us all and what Paul is trying to help us understand is that we have an opportunity right now to return to love. Because everything that is happening right now, everything that is going on looks like fear, doesn't it? The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. And so in the context of these false teachers sending out different kinds of messages that are out of order, lifting up things that are out of order, lifting up things that are about them, lifting up things that are about selfishness, lifting up things that, that, that value success based on your prominence in the community, based on your degrees, based on your money, based on the car that you drive, based on the suit that you buy. We've got to get away from those things and return to love. Because I don't know about you, but, 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 but if you don't have a pure heart, meaning that what you are in pursuit of is about things of the kingdom of God. If you don't have a clear conscience about the way that you treated somebody else, the way that you are dealing with your business dealings, the way that you are taking care of the other, you cannot sleep at night. That's why this man who's in your White House checks at 1.30 in the morning, he can't sleep because he does not have a clear conscience. I cannot say his name, but y'all know what I'm talking about. He cannot sleep because his conscience is not good. And then the last thing that I love about this thing, it says you've got to have a genuine faith. And what that means is that if it's not genuine, it's disingenuous, which means that you come in and teach it and talking about things that are outside of this word of God that we need to be dealing with. Am I talking to anybody on this morning? And, 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 and so Paul tells us that, that, that we should not fill our time with meaningless conversations. If you've been called into, to, to, to this kingdom of God to be able to promote a message about God, don't deal in meaningless conversations because that's just a waste of time. Me, 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 you, you, we're spending time trying to debate with someone who is of Islamic faith, who is a, a, a practicing Buddhist or someone who is of Judaism. We're trying to convert them and bring them into a space and a place of believing that their religion is not a good religion. Paul is saying, let's not waste our time doing that. Don't, I, I'm not looking to be converted. Don't, don't, don't look to convert anybody else. What we need to be preaching and teaching is about is about the love of God. We're so busy putting people in the buckets. You're an abomination because of the way that you live. We're so busy putting... See, my biography was off just a little bit because it said I'm in pursuit of the seminary degree. When actually, I graduated with the last seminary class of the Lutheran Theological Seminary. And one of the things that I came away with, I come from a very fundamentalist Baptist background. Things are clear and pinpointed, and if you are outside of those, then there's something wrong with the situation. Well, one of the things that you understand when you're in the Lutheran seminary is something called context. Stay with me for a second. Because if you've never had an opportunity to sit down with someone who does not look like you, who does not come from the same socioeconomic background as you, who does not believe in the same things as you, but you're able to have a conversation about someone that's greater than you, then you have a commonality around a God who loves you just the way that you are. It's not about being judgmental. It's not about looking at somebody and condemning them. It's about knowing that people are human beings as well. 
And so I'm trying to help somebody open up their mind, open up their heart, because that's what happens when contextually you spend some time with somebody else. If all you do is wake up, look at somebody else and keep it moving, never sit down and have a cup of coffee with them them and understand where they've come from, how can you know why it is the way that they are? And why it is the way that they act that way? And why is the way that they react that way? And why the way that they are? If you don't spend some time with somebody, you'll never know how it is they got to be who it is that they are. And the saving grace that you're trying to promote is not going to do anything but disinvite them up into this place. Am I talking to anybody? And so Paul says, don't spend time in meaningless conversations and so concerned with the fact that you know the Bible better than anybody else. That's a righteousness, a self-righteousness that just looks ugly in the face of somebody. What I'm trying to say is that before you got cleaned up, somebody had to take you and introduce you to the love of Christ too. Am I right about it? There's a whole, it's not, it's not scripture, but there's a theological doctrine that invites you to come as you are. And what that means is that you come just as you are with your baby outside of, 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 of wedlock, with your alcoholism, with your addiction, with your foul mouth, with your pants hanging down, with the way that you are, with your adulterous, divorced self. You come just as you are because it is not any of us that changes or convicts or transforms. It is the Holy Spirit that changes. Am I talking to anybody in here today? I don't know why we can't just have a clear conversation about what's real and that's what we're going to do. If y'all never invite me back again, that's going to be all right. I'm going to say some things this morning. That won't be all right, but I'm... Paul Paul says, men, uh, y'all need to pray. And he says that y'all need to pray specifically for kings and those in authority. He says that you need to be able to come up into the church house, lift your hands up freely up to God without any anger and without any confusion and to be able to pray. And I like that way Paul makes that specific because stay with me for just a second. He says we need to pray for kings and we need to pray for those in authority. You know why? Because they have the power to be able to make sure that the environment stays calm or that the kingdom stays calm and peaceful. See, if every day those who are your kings and those who are in authority get up and every fifth word out of their mouth is a lie and, 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 and every other thing that they say is not something to unify but to cause division, whether it's the NFL athletes needing to get up off their knee, whether it's taking babies away from mommies down at the border. If everything that you say is about getting the rich richer and not taking care of the... Am I... Am I then those things we need to get on our knees and pray for. We need to pray that there might be some movement within that kingdom of a democracy that there might be somebody inside who might be a part of the resistance. That there might be some of us outside that are the resistance. And we need to be able to pray for false 
teachers and false preachers because what they're talking about is not bringing us together so that we might be able to prosper, so that we might be able to see one another, that we might be able to take care of one another, that we might be able to see the least of these as also the best of these and deserving food, shelter, and a place to lay down their head safety. I'm just trying to talk to somebody here on this morning and to acknowledge that we need to pray even though we don't want to pray for those in authority. Because guess what? Paul says and declares that we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to represent the salt and we're supposed to represent the light of the world. Which means that every time that we see this foolishness, we cannot become a choir of those that are just yelling and protesting, wanting to draw down Violently, we need to get on our knees coming to the church house and ask God to move. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but God is still on the throne. And I like this. He, he, he says that we need to pray and be different and recognize that all things are good. All things are good. So when you see something that is, the, the, the focus is, is on food and, and is on marriage, but you've got to take a balcony view on what Paul is saying about God. Everything that God has created is good. And, 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 and so we've got to step back and make sure that we're taking care of everything that is God's because it's good. This earth is ours and it's good. We have to take care of it. People are good. We have to take care of them, men and women. When you look around and you see trees growing, and you see animals moving, and you see water flowing, those are gifts from God. And so we can't pollute that which we need to eat and drink. We can't send out pollutions so that our earth is becoming diminished and getting hotter and hotter and hotter. I'm just taking a pause for all of us that are environmentalists that care about this one little earth that we have. It's all that we have. I know they're trying to launch some things so that we can try to figure out how to live on Mars, but for right now, <laughs> this is all that we have. And so we've got to take care of it. Everything is good. This world is good. And people in this world are good. And that's why we look at one another with a certain humanity. We cannot stand by when a nation of Syria is chemically attacking its own people. We cannot stand by when, when the nation of Iran is conducting all kinds of human rights violations. We have to stand up and do something because we are called to be good stewards of that which we have been gifted unto God. And the reason why we do these things, brothers and sisters, is so that you don't neglect what it is that you've been spiritually given. You've been called to do these things by God. Every now and then, you need to take a pause, Paul said, and recognize what your spiritual gifting is. Because whether you know it or not, you've been blessed by God with a gift, somebody. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. It's always good as a church body to, if you don't know what your spiritual gifts is, to do an assessment every now and then. The book of Romans helps us understand it's a couple of them that you might just want to lift out and see that that's you. And I like this saying. The meaning of life is to find your gift. And the purpose of life is to give it away. Y'all missed that. The meaning of life is to find your gift. Somewhere deep down inside you, in your living and your life, an alarm bell rang off in you. Somewhere in your life, there's one that woke you up this morning. There's another alarm bell that rang and you were supposed to navigate into your purpose. But things happen. I understand. The world takes over. Somebody says that folk who look like you don't do those kinds of things. You don't have the credit to be able to establish yourself to set that gifting up. Are you just from this little old box right here? That's not what y'all do in that neighborhood. I'm talking to somebody in here on today who has neglected their spiritual gifting. And you know what that gift is. You just have let it lay in hibernation for a little bit. I'm trying to declare to somebody on this morning that today is your day to wake up and to get woke and to go out and do something with your gift because God gave it to you and you're not supposed to keep it to yourself. You're supposed to give it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. I normally save that for funerals, but that's all right. We're here today uh, uh, because we're in the land of the living. I'm almost out your way. Paul says to Timothy, look here, young brother, you can do these things that I'm telling you. And don't be worried about the fact that you're a young man. Because I know what happens. Some young lady or some young man is filled with knowledge, is filled with wisdom and is filled with the gifting. And they come to us who are filled with white hair in our beards and white hair in our, in our hair and, and, and years behind us. And we declare that you are a young little whippersnapper and that you don't have the power or the authority to be telling me about how I'm supposed to be living my life or what I'm supposed to be doing. I just had a conversation with that with somebody that I love dearly. I tried to tell him, listen, you've been blessed by God to be in this position where you are. Think about the bigger picture. This ain't about the little picture and the little details and about people's feelings. It is about a big picture. What we are called to do is to make sure that people know the love of Christ. And I don't care how young you are. You can be one of these little babies right down here. They can be a blessing. They can point you somewhere or pull you up out of something if you just let them speak. You've got to be able to know that you are called into purpose and that you have a gift. And Paul wants us to be able to talk to people. He wants to be able to to, to have us look at older men and honor them, particularly our parents. They took care of us. We're supposed to take care of them in their older life. Am I right about it? If you're looking at older women, look at them as if they are your sisters. And that they deserve to be taken care of. you got some young brothers that you can do something with. Look at them just like that. That they are your family. And look at these younger sisters. They are your younger sisters. And I tell people this all the time. Whether it's you or not. Whether it's somebody in your family. Somebody has got to be the one. Y'all know it's always one in the family. It's always one in your family, men. 
That might not be you, but you know who it is. I'm the youngest of four boys. You heard that in my bio. I ain't mad at it. I'm not the one in my own family, although I can, I can do some talking now. I'm not the one. I got another brother who's thinking is a little bit more sound and, and his, his demeanor is a little bit more calm. And so my parents told him, you're going to be the one. And that's all right. He takes care of all the business. I ain't mad at him. He's, he, 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 he's the one. Brothers and sisters, you have got to be the one in your family because it is whether it's your historical relationship in your family that you need to be the one so that you can pass that on as legacy, as succession up in your family. Somebody's got to know where you came from and how you got here so that you can stand a little bit taller and be a little bit proud about how it is that you are. And then Paul says, we do all of this. We do all of this so that we can fight the good fight. And what you need to understand contextually is that there was a fight for a bad fight that was going on too. You can fight a bad fight or you can fight the good fight. And you fight the good fight. The good fight which does this. The good fight allows us to hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you men and women. Which you have confessed so well before so many witnesses. You need to know this. Uh, 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 Paul is referencing the here to the fact to Timothy here that I recognize that you confess to a number of witnesses that the Lord is the Lord of your life and King of your life. But that was a baptismal reference. See, let me just remind everybody of something. So, 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 so I, I, I pray that, that, that each of us is a soul. And, and at some point, out there in some beautiful place, that a realm that's hard to be defined, that's where we resided at some point. God in his infinite wisdom and power spoke. And so then here you came through your parents. And there was a flesh that wrapped around you. That is your birth date. Mine, July the 27th, February the 27th, 1967. And, and that was my earthly birth date. I always keep this in my Bible. This is my baptismal certificate. Which in my church and, and in the, uh, uh, the Baptist church, this for me is my second birthday. Because this is the day, March 9th, 1975, when I declared, like Timothy declared, before all witnesses that I accept the Lord as the personal Savior and Lord. Am I, am I talking to anybody in here on today? I have a birthday which is my earthly birthday, and then I had a second birthday. But the one thing that I need y'all to recognize and point out is while I have a fleshly, earthly birthday, and while I have a second birthday, that acceptance took place when I was nine years old, and there was something that I had not done at that point, which is a little bit different. I had an acknowledgement of who God was. I accepted who God was. But the thing that was different for me when I was nine years old and from when I'm 51 is that I had invited that Lord to be the Lord of my life. And so everything that I do, I touch base with him first. All things I consult with him first. If I have a decision that I've got to make and it's caught up in anger or some kind of emotion, I slow down for a minute and be still and know that he is God so that the decision I'm making will be bearing fruit in my life and not ill things. Am I talking to anybody in here? See, you had a birthday, but have you, and you may have been baptized, but have you invited the Lord to be the Lord of your life? We have to do these things so we can fight the good fight. And Paul wraps it up in these words, and that's what we do in the Baptist church. We said we finished, and we haven't quite finished. And, 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 and this is it. This is my true finish. 
He says this. Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated by the Spirit. He was seen by angels and announced to the nations. He was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. They crucified my Lord. (laughs) But then early, on Sunday morning, he got up with all power. In his hands. Uh, What this text is trying to help somebody in here understand that Christ came to us in a human body. But it is the power of the Holy Spirit that raised him up out of that tomb. And when he was raised up out of that tomb, he ascended into heaven where he was seen by angels. And it was acknowledged that he was not only the Lord of this earthly place, he was also the Lord of the heavens. And then what Paul and Timothy and every other prophet and every other preacher have been trying to do, men and women, is to announce to the nations that this life, whether you live to be 80, 90, 100, 62, whatever you live to be, this is not the life that is the end of things. There is something that is eternal. And so men, I'm trying to help y'all understand this on today. You need to make sure that you pray. (laughs) Am I right about it? You need to make sure that you pray for those that are within the kingdom and for those that are without the kingdom. You need to bless somebody else. In order to be able to run this race, it will not stop with you. You've got to make sure that you've got a succession plan. Man, you need to make sure that you know that every day is a gift of mercy. Because what Paul says in the same text is that, listen, I pray, praise God, and bless God because... Jesus Christ came for all sinners, and Paul says that he was the worst of all the sinners. And I don't know about you, but if I drop the screen of my light behind me, you're going to see some stuff where I might compete with Paul in that phrase. It's some things in my life. It's some things in your life. You need to give praise to God every day for the mercy and the grace, because if it had not been for the Lord on your side, there'd be no way you could be here on the day. You could be six feet under right now. And men, since every day, is a gift. Don't hold on to it. Be a blessing. Give it to somebody else. And fight the good fight. Keep on moving. Keep on shaking. Keep on dancing. You might sting. Oh, but brothers and sisters, I'm telling y'all, come on. Fight the good fight. Because this race that we run, until Christ comes back himself, is about love. It's about making sure that those that hunger for love do not find themselves numbing themselves of addiction, numbing themselves of love that does not look good, that does not take care of themselves or their bodies. This thing is about a hunger for love. People will try anything and everything, but they need to try the love of Jesus Christ. That is why we fight the good fight. That is why we run this race. So that when we come to the end of us and are held accountable, we will not be judged by God to declare that we had an opportunity to introduce somebody to this love so that when they have the chance to accept this personal Lord into their lives and invite Him to be the controlling factor in their lives, it's not for the treasures that we build up here, it is for the treasures that we build up in heaven. Today is a good day to know that you are the one. Fight the good fight. Run this race and make sure that at the end of your days, God will say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter ye into the kingdom of heaven. Somebody say amen. Amen.